Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SDS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, something I just said about two hours ago. It is the podcast that brings you the very best guests in all of true crime. And uh, quick Carm story. When I was first launching us into true crime, I said to Carm, because we were only doing a show one day a week, I said, I think I'm going to try to do a show five days a week. And she screamed. I won't imitate the scream and said that I'm a moron schmuck an idiot whatever other adjectives she could come up with and, and said who would ever listen to you five days a week well here we are sometimes doing two if not three shows a day and uh i'm basically ready to collapse that is the truth so uh, we got a, a, a massive interview tomorrow not that this one today isn't but we are interviewing uh don adelson and charlie adelson's lead defense attorney daniel rashbaum and uh Friday, just so you know, we have Phil and Scott coming up, and they're going to break down Donna Adelson's arrest video from a law enforcement standpoint, which should be really interesting. And then Monday, Donna Adelson's in court, and then I'm doing a doubleheader. And the whole point of this on Donna Adelson, after that, I'm going back to one show a day for a while, so I do not lose my mind. And uh, the COE and I stay married because uh, this weighs on her. She's uh getting feisty over there so as you all know today we are pivoting to alec murdoch uh, he appeared in a richland county south carolina courtroom on tuesday morning uh this is being broadcast on wednesday afternoon lawyers for uh, alec murdoch we know dick harputlian and uh mr griffin jim griffin uh they were saying uh that alec murdoch who was convicted last year of fatally shooting his wife and son uh, in June of 2021 on their family uh, hunting estate, uh, they argued that this county uh, clerk of court, Becky Hill, who I've had her co-author on, uh, that she engaged in jury tampering uh, before they found Alec Murdoch guilty of uh, double murder and therefore he should be given a new trial. And uh, the judge said not so fast to Mr. Harputlian and others. Uh, we are supposed to be joined here as well. Let me see if this is him. Uh, nope, it is not him. We're supposed to be joined by uh, Daryl Cohen, a very prominent defense attorney out of the Atlanta area. But here right now, I'm going to read this because uh, Collier, uh, we tweaked his bio a little bit. He is the living embodiment of human resilience, hope and personal triumph over adversity. Uh, if you don't know Collier, his story is fascinating. It has inspired audiences across the globe he is a survivor and host of the collier landry show on youtube as well as the survivor squad with tara newell where he discusses his own traumatic childhood story of the premeditated murder of uh of his mother noreen by his own father dr john f boyle jr uh Collier is the creator and subject of A Murder in Mansfield, the documentary from two-time Oscar-winning director Barbara Koppel, and his work has been featured all over the place. Variety, The New York Times, Esquire, the list goes on. He's been a featured guest on Dr. Phil as well. And then you've got Jonas Billboard, who's been all over the TV sets as well. She is a popular and outspoken attorney, a columnist, a legal analyst. She appears regularly on Fox News Channel, the Fox Business Network, other television networks. She hosts a radio show in New York, Hudson's Valley, 
And uh, like I said, she is ubiquitous on the TV set. John, I'm not rubbing rubbing it in, but did it snow in your part of New York? Did it snow? <laughs> did it? Did it snow? It snowed. It snowed a few times. Snow is still here. Why? Because it's, I don't know, 19 degrees and not climbing. So, yeah, it snowed. Jana, you need to come down and visit us in Miami where it is a little chilly because it's dropped below 80, but I'm going to survive. Oh. Um, come on down. Um, a couple of quick programming notes. Um, tomorrow, as I said, a big interview. Dan Rashbaum, uh, lead defense attorney for Charlie Adelson and uh, Donna Adelson. He will be here uh, tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's a one-on-one -on -one interview we will take STS questions. I'll have to figure out exactly how to do that, either periodically or at the end. Now, we will figure that one out. Uh, the book, Surviving the Survivor, the most important story I've ever told, is available for pre-order. It is uh, my mom's story plus inspiration from her about life. So uh, please order that if you can. And um, I have a good friend, Susan Hendricks. CNN headline news anchor. Not only is she a former CNN headline news anchor that I used to watch and uh, be riveted by, but then I found out she is from New Brunswick, New Jersey. I'm from Highland Park, New Jersey. You could literally throw a stone, and I was born in New Brunswick. And she just launched a new YouTube channel. It is, I'm looking for the name here. That is the one thing. I think it is called Headline Crime. Headline Crime with Susan Hendricks. It's right there. And there is the YouTube uh, address. And uh, as we say, as the great Meve Moen says, a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, Collier and I and Steve talk. I talk with Susan. We don't compete. We try to help each other. Um, and it's all, uh, I don't know. We all do it out of the goodness of our hearts and she's just launched this and she said to me hey you know what tv news is probably easier and i said it is because you're not doing everything all by yourself <laughs> the way we are here so uh help her out and check out um headline crime <clears throat> on headline news so obviously a play on words there um jonna you're the attorney and by the way we're waiting i don't know if he's going to show daryl cohen uh is mia at the moment a very well-known attorney out of the atlanta area John, can you just, in a macro sense, tell us what the hell was going on in a South Carolina courtroom yesterday regarding Alec Murdoch, who can't seem to get out of the news? I know. Well, I'll do my best not to be my wordy self, but here's what's going on. And okay. And it doesn't matter. I don't care what you feel about Alec Murdoch. This is actually important for everybody. So his defense attorneys have brought a motion inside the South Carolina court claiming that there was jury tampering, not by just some random schmo, by the elected clerk of the court, the person who sat next to the judge throughout the Alec Murdoch trial. There is some evidence that they are going to bring forth, where, uh, including some jurors who are going to testify about what this clerk- Jana, hang on one sec. I would only ever interrupt you for one person. That's my mother. Hold on, oh. this is funny. She's FaceTiming me during a podcast. Hold Please. on, I gotta get this. Yes. We love Carm. Carm, <laughs> uh, we are uh, live podcasting. It's my second of the day, and I only take your call. I just interrupted the guest to take your call. You are live on the air, Carm. 
was watching the other one. <laughs> you were ordering food. You saw the earlier show, Karm. Did you like it? Yes. The show I liked very much. The analysis I liked. Karm, I was telling the audience how how insane is this? I was telling the audience that you told me no one would ever listen or watch more than two days a week, and here I am doing <laughs> seventy-five shows a day. But I'll check in with you. Overdoing it. <laughs> uh, I'm completely burned out. Love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Carm. Um, I think that <laughs> there it is. Carm calling in the middle of a podcast. Uh, look, look at this. Oh my Carm and I danced Carm at CrimeCon together. You did. You oh, did yeah. dance with Carm. That was amazing. Uh, so, John, I, I'm sorry. I would only interrupt you for that. Uh, please continue. So. Okay. So the defense attorneys have brought a motion claiming there was jury tampering by the clerk of the court. Now, apparently, they're going to have some jurors actually come in and testify next week. Is it next week or the week after the 29th, somewhere around there of January, when this three-day motion hearing is going to take place? Now, here's the interesting part. I think they have a strong motion. However, during their pre-motion conference, the judge that's going to be presiding over this hearing, who is not the judge who presided over the Murdoch trial, different judge, has really all but gutted their hearing in advance. She's going to keep uh, keep them on a tight leash. She doesn't want a lot of extraneous evidence. They're not even going to be allowed to bring in evidence that the person in question here, Becky Hill, uh, is a liar, liar, pants on fire. They're not going to be allowed to bring that in vis-a-vis -vis, uh, accusations that she plagiarized the book that she wrote about uh, the Alec Murdoch trial. They're not going to bring in, they're not going to be able to bring in a lot of extraneous stuff, which is really going to kind of pull the rug out from underneath them in terms of this motion. But it is a very important motion, you guys, not just for Alec Murdoch, for everybody in the justice system, because this could potentially be an avalanche of bad stuff that's been happening in that South Carolina courtroom. I think that's what the judge is afraid of here, but it is important. And, and what's interesting about that, at least for me, uh, I, I echo Jonna's sentiments, but we I was up there for the Charlie Adelson trial, who, of course, is now convicted of murdering his ex-brother-in-law in a murder-for-hire plot. But as soon as that conviction was uh read and the guilty verdict uh handed down immediately they they started talking about there was some jury tampering one of the jurors said something about another juror and so jonna this can quickly spiral out of control uh it has to be dealt with one of the questions here from superman is where the hell is alec murdoch getting all the money for the lawyers um obviously he's implicated in himself. He's pleaded guilty in a gazillion financial crimes. He's not getting out of prison. Um, do you have any idea? I think he's hidden money away under his uh, front lawn there, and uh, that's where he's getting the cash or what? Of course. There's coffee cans full of cash. And and look, it's quite possible that um, Jim Griffin and Dick Harpootlian might be handling this portion of the program pro bono, and maybe they got paid a lot for the trial. They're certainly getting a lot of mileage out of this trial. So they might be donating some of their time. I don't know. Uh, Collier Landry, uh, you obviously have a super fascinating backstory. And yes. you're also now a podcaster, but your own father murdered your own mother. And you talk about it openly. You've even visited your father um, in, in, in state prison. Oh. Um, 
Is that what piqued your interest about this Murdoch trial and why you're covering it over on the Collier Landry show? Well, originally, and as a good documentary filmmaker, and I will say one thing, Joel, just because you plugged your book, I am thoroughly convinced, and I want to tell the audience that it is much better than this one that I have in my hand. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, I guarantee that. Um, which, But this is very entertaining. Behind um, the Doors of Justice, is that right? Behind the Doors of Justice. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But as a good documentary filmmaker, I became aware of it while watching the HBO show, the docuseries, which... I caught at the end of his trial, but the, the, the thing that, that really ties me to it is, you know, his own son, Buster being the surviving son and being testifying in court and having to deal with his father. And what really tugged my heartstrings was when that particular docuseries on HBO ends, which I believe is called low country is his father calls him from prison and he calls him throughout from prison throughout the, throughout the, the docuseries. But that final call that he has with him and it sounded exactly like my father and Buster's response. And he, he says something that was so key. He says, yeah, I remember when Ma, he was talking about his girlfriend had gotten wasted the night before um, uh, Buster's girlfriend. So she was a little hungover. He said, yeah, I remember when mom, we get all buzzed up. Do you remember that? And he was just like, yeah. And it sounded exactly how my father would try to like manipulate or gaslight me growing up. And, you know, I witnessed, I heard the murder happen. So I know that he killed my mother mm. and I was there. Um, but, you know, the way that he would try to manipulate me over the course of my life. And obviously I expose all this in the documentary, but that's something that really caught me. And recently, you know, I, I, as a, as a younger man was a big fan of Carl Hyacin. Lucky you is one of my favorite books. And, uh, when this Becky Hill thing came out, I couldn't believe it. And I just, I, I just, I talk about it because I think it's so fascinating how a clerk of court could do what she did, wrote this book, uh, seemed to have carte blanche to do whatever she wants. And in such a, the, the amount of hubris, because I thought the corruption was more on the Murdoch side of things after watching all these docuseries and reading about the case. And I saw this and I was like, you know, I'm from a small town. This is what happened in my small town. It was huge news. It was everywhere. And I thought, this is just, this is insane to me. So I became so fascinated with it recently and talking about it. It's, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. But yeah. let us not confuse one thing. Alec Murdoch has been convicted of the murder of his wife and son and has also admitted to financial crimes that are absolutely horrific. And the people and the victims that he has victimized, and that, you know, these are not people who, these are people that were injured in horrific accidents that got these, these settlements, people who lost life and limb, right? And for him to do that, he is not a person, as I make fun of the situation a little bit and poke a little bit of humor at Becky Hill, let us not forget that he is a despicable human being. But uh, it he doesn't is. mean that he doesn't deserve the best the justice system has to offer because it has to work for the worst of us if it will work for the best of us. Well put. I don't think I've ever heard it phrased quite that way. But uh, Mel Von Munkers, uh, John, I have been running around doing a million other things, so I did not see this. But Mel says, Ooh. I believe the defense filed a motion today to remove Chief Justice Toll. Uh, that's probably not going to go anywhere, right? What do you think? Oh, you know, and I, I oh, maybe they did. And I don't know for sure if they did, but 
if they want her recused, it would make sense because of what I said earlier. She really, if you had listened to that pre-motion motion, she really is not giving them any latitude, which makes no sense. Why does it make no sense? Because why not? It's a hearing, right? It's a post-trial hearing. He's locked up. He's not going anywhere. It's not like he's going to get a stay of execution, so to speak. He's not being executed, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let it all come in. Let it all come in. And the judge can is the only one. There's no jury for this motion. The judge is the only one who's going to decide whether it's credible, what to take, what happened. Let it all come in. And then you figure it out instead of so narrowly scoping the, the evidence that you can't possibly find in favor of the defense in this case. Makes no sense. I hope they do try to get a recuse. It probably won't work. It rare, rarely does, but I wouldn't blame them for trying. Uh, time for a very quick Joel story. Look at this. Cat loves Catskills. For those who do not know, the Catskills are in New York, not far from where Jonna Spilbor is far. sitting. And yep. when I grew up in New Jersey, my parents were sick of me, as most people get. And they said, you know what? We're going to send you to summer camp. By the way, the Catskills were where all these kind of famous hotels like the Concord were and performers like Joan <laughs> Rivers. It was called the Borscht Belt, which is a Jewish-ish food. And uh, the, all the performers like Joan Rivers would go there. And that's why I want a chimpanzee. There was a famous chimp that used to hang out in the Catskills. But my parents were sick of me, <clears throat> excuse me, and made me <clears throat> go to camp. And it was called Kutcher's Sports Academy. And Kutcher's was a hotel. And it was in the Catskills. And my roommate, bunkmate, one year, I hated camp. I hated being away from my mom, was Kenny Albert. Kenny Albert now does all the play-by-play. -play. He's Marv Albert's son. He was my bunkmate. And back in 1979, uh, no one even knew who Marv Albert was, but he was just getting going. So look at this. Love Cat Skills is a wonderful mod over. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know she was a mod on your channel, Collier. Shout, shout out to her. I got and, my people in full, full force because you sent me the text message while I was doing my live yesterday. Yeah. And so I told everybody, I was like, I'll be on STS Nation tomorrow. Good. We, we love the Collier Landry Show mods here. Nikki Coods or Cuds uh, with a super sticker. So um, back to this. So this judge is a former South Carolina Supreme Court justice named Gene Toll. Uh, judge Clifton Newman, he rec recused himself last year. He took himself out of the equation. Everyone seemed to love uh, Judge Clifton Newman because he was just he was so measured. He also bl literally blistered uh alec murdoch you know while sentencing him but that was a must do right john he had to recuse himself because he could i guess potentially be called as a witness definitely a must do and i don't think this judge did anything wrong but certain uh people might make the insinuation that look you know that clerk was his right hand person and he should have had a a, a tighter rein on what she was doing, or at least some knowledge to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen ever again and never happened before and hopefully didn't happen now. But it sure sounds like he's going to have some egg on his face after the fact. It won't matter because I do believe he's retiring if he hasn't already retired. But this was, he was in charge. He was in charge of that courtroom. And if 
Becky Hill did something untoward. It's going to have a spillover effect on him. So, yeah, he had to recuse himself. Makes sense. Uh, Crafts and True Crime. Tracy, I bought the book Behind the Doors of Justice. By the way, it's not for sale anymore, from what I understand. Amazon has yanked it by Becky Hill. It's garbage, she says. It's like a 16-year-old's diary. The difference between her book and mine, I actually wrote it pretty well, but I sound like a 16-year-old in it so that'll be the difference but it's actually fairly i hope written well and you'll enjoy it um this comment caught my attention collier uh from denishka burdell alec took a trip to bermuda after maggie and paul's murder who are these people uh collier uh, you know best uh first first of all what was the last time you visited your father and could you see him taking a trip after murdering your mother like I just cannot, you know this, I harp on this with you when we talk, I can't get over the mind of a killer, I guess, especially one who takes the parent of uh, a child. So that's interesting that you brought that up and that you do live in sunny Florida, Joel. Um, Collier, I got to interrupt you for this one. Carm chiming in, you are losing <laughs> your voice. Spelled wrong, mom. That's loosing, like my teeth, loose, loose teeth. But I get what you're saying. I told you you were getting overextended. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Collier. I only interrupt so, for my mom. Interestingly enough, since you live in the sunny state of Florida, um, when my father was, because I was helping investigators, leading them uh, through my school and talking privately, but I could see that my father was under more and more duress. My father had planned, came to me and said, we should take a father and son trip to Florida uh, because he had a medical convention to go to. And I had known that, you know, this was the middle of January, towards the end of January, 1990. I knew that the medical conventions that we would go to in Florida were always during the spring because it makes sense. Doctors bring their families, not right after Christmas, you know, go to Bush Gardens, see the sites, go to Clearwater Beach. Right. And I told the, the lead investigator, Dave Messmore, uh, who I essentially solved the crime with, I said, he's going to take me to Florida and I'm not coming back. So he actually did try to take a trip out of state. And when I interviewed the judge for my father's case on my podcast, he told me that they interviewed someone in court and prior to that was actually a fixer for my father that had stalked his girlfriend who lived in Florida. And this fixer was based in Florida. So I would have mysteriously drowned in the Gulf of Mexico. So... Yeah, what goes through the mind is is when they feel the squeeze is coming, or let's say in Alec Murdoch's case, and I don't know this. This is just you know conjecture or speculation. But uh, you know, there's large sums of money that people are going. Where did they go? And are they in coffee cans buried underneath the front porch in Moselle, or are they deposited into offshore banks in the Bahamas? Your guess is as good as mine. Wow. Uh, we now welcome in to the fray, uh, Daryl Cohen, a uh, very well-known uh, criminal defense attorney out of the Atlanta area. Daryl, I'll get your full bio on the way out, but thank you for joining us. Are you hearing us okay? I am hearing you, and more importantly, I'm seeing you, and I'm watching a certain young lady who's just looking very smiley, right? <laughs> uh, I thought so. That, well, is, well, uh, yes. that is Jonna. Do you know Jonna? Do I, you, you, hi, Jonna. We know each other now. Yes, we do. Hi, Daryl. <laughs> John, I wanted to make you feel better. We do some weather here, weather reporting. It is minus 28 Celsius in Finland, John, so not so bad uh, where you are. Uh, Daryl Cohen, first of all, I love a Jewish last name, and the first name is Daryl. I love it. Um, 
brings me back to my Daryl Dawkins days with the 76ers. Um, Chocolate Thunder. Chocolate Thunder, baby. Um, Daryl, at the beginning of the day yesterday, people were saying, wow, Alec Murdoch's going to get a second shot at a murder trial. But by the end of the day, it seemed like sentiment changed. Do you think there's any chance Alec Murdoch is going to get a second swing at this? I think it's going to be more of a chance for me becoming 10 years younger in five minutes than he has of getting a new trial. And Daryl, by the way, I was reading your bio. It says you were an actor. Uh, tell us about this for a moment. Let's digress for a moment. If I was any good as an actor, I'd probably still be doing it rather than as a lawyer. No, I was on a couple of soaps and I did some commercials and I had a great time. And my claim to fame was my first thing, which was a Wrigley's gum spot mm. where I was hired as an extra. And I talked to my agent. I said, what does that mean? She said, it means you get your foot in the door. And how much do you make? This goes back about 7,000 years ago. And I made $77. And I, and I was happy for that because I was an assistant DA sneaking out of the office to do it. And then about two weeks later, my agent called and said, you've been upgraded to a principal, to which I said, what does that mean? She said, sky's the limit. Well, in two years, I made $18,000 on a Wrigley gum spot. When I was on camera of 3.4 seconds, I was going to quit the law and become an actor. It never got any better, but I had a good time. We did some soaps. I did some stuff with Carol O'Connor on Heat of the Night as I was shot and killed, and he stepped on my wrist with no pressure. That's Archie great. Bunker, everybody. How was he? Nice guy? He was the sweetest, nicest guy in the world, and he looks at me after we had blocked it for about four or five hours, and he said, and I quote, you dead yet? And of course I was, but it was fun, and we had some good times. Look, you come here for true crime and you find out about Archie Bunker. You can't beat that. Mm -hmm. um, Jonas Billboard with the amazing staircase behind her. So the judge basically said, uh, Toll here said, look, I am uh, limiting witness questioning and uh, raise the burden of proof about Becky Cook's uh, about the accusation surrounding Becky Cook, that she was, uh, you know, basically tampering with the jury. And we'll get to that in a little more detail. What message is the judge essentially sending here? She's sending a message that she doesn't want her time wasted. She's sending a message that she doesn't want to be presiding over this motion. And I think she's sending a message, which is really something that's going to remain unspoken in that. Let's take let's look into the future. Let's suppose they have this motion and let's suppose by some miracle they win. Right. Now, you've not only, of course, you're going to have to reopen and Alec Murdoch's going to get another trial. That's, that's neither here nor there. The big thing is all of the defendants who are going to come out of the woodwork vis-a-vis -vis their lawyers to say, well, wait a minute. If she tampered with that jury, maybe she also tampered with mine. Now, I know that the court's not going to allow a wholesale revisiting of every single trial that's ever been had in that, in that particular courtroom. But it is a slippery slope, and it would most certainly open the door for people to start complaining. And I think every judge in that courthouse wants to avoid that. Yet, that can't be the reason why they don't give a fair shot to Alec Murdoch's motion for a new trial. But it is a slippery slope. Uh, Robin Ray, lawyers make good actors. I should know. I'm a casting director. I think she's out in L.A. There you go. Uh, Dwayne Harris Hello, Joel, COE, and STS Nation. I'm at the dinner table while watching on TV. Love that. 
Uh, I hope you're ignoring your children while doing that as well. Uh, he comes to us from Detroit. So uh, shout out to Dwayne Harris. Um, so this, uh, Daryl, back to you, is an actual line out of the a- uh, an AP story on what transpired yesterday. And it caught my attention. It says, so even if Murdoch's lawyers prove that Cotton County Clerk Becky Hill told jurors not to believe his testimony and even pressured them into reaching a guilty verdict must it must also it must also be proved that doing so prejudiced them against Murdoch it seems like a very weird thing to say because it it sounds like if she's telling the jurors not to believe his testimony isn't that already prejudice seems so to me but let's be honest nobody is going to admit that they were influenced by the clerk they're just not going to do it because it makes them it opens them up to a lot more than they want to be opened up to it's better to hear no evil see no evil do no evil and kyd bms keep my big mouth shut can i jump in on that 100 percent collier please because i thought that was one of the most interesting things that came out of yesterday's hearing when she said that they were going to bring the witnesses in the the um the jurors or the jurors as she says the bring the jurors in but not allow them to be on on camera right and eric bland who you've had on your show with his partner uh richter were up there saying we want to you know blur their faces distort their voices which i understand for their safety but when you think about it in this way they're going to have an open court where the where the members of this community who obviously talk <laughs> and obviously like to share the information in a sewing circle, as we like to say, these people, how is someone going to come in and say, yes, I would have given a different verdict if it hadn't been for Becky Hill, and then wear the scarlet letter of allowing Alec Murdoch to be to, to be granted a new trial and then go back and live in that community, their lives are going to be at stake, their livelihoods, their families. I mean, we all see how how violent social media can be in a way with bullying and and reddit forums and facebook forums where people go after people with this venom and vitriol and and public excoriation if you figure somebody is going to come in and be that person's going to be the linchpin in this situation and just pull it out and the whole house of cards falls and there's a retrial i mean that to me i thought was the biggest thing and look i am no alec murdoch fan but i thought Wow, that's a massive blow for the defense. And look, I, you know, I say on my show, I am not a lawyer. I am not a psychologist. I do not work in law enforcement. I'm just a guy who's been through a lot of shit. But when I see that, I go, that to me would just such a massive blow because you talk about the fear and intimidation of some of these people. That's, that's a lot. And as someone who's been in court and had the spotlight put on them in one of the most horrific events of their lives, you know, I can tell you, it, it's it's not a spotlight you want to have on you. That's for sure. And I want to get back to you, um, you know, about uh, Buster Murdoch, what you think's going on with him, Collier. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Heather Donato, Sabia, for you, Jonna. Becky Hill rode that horse all the way home after the Murdoch trial. She's already writing another book, Behind the Bars of Justice. Of course, that is a bit of a joke. Um, but, <laughs> Jonna, you talked about this a little off the top. What about this notion that a clerk of court is even writing or even thinking about writing a book about what's going on with the trial while it's going on? 
Yeah, it, it's the uh, appearance of impropriety. It should not be allowed to happen, just like it shouldn't be allowed. Judges can't write books about their trials, I imagine. And I, you know, for her to have a vested interest in in the outcome of the trial, either way, and I think it's been rumored that part of what she said or insinuated or words to that effect was that she was going to make more money off her book with a guilty verdict than with an acquittal which you know plays right into did she intend to influence this jury she should have had listen this clerk's communication with this jury should have started and ended with do you want pepperoni on your pizza for lunch today or not like that is it do you have sharp pencils or don't you that's it not give an opinion not give a wink not give a nod not give anything like that and the fact that that happened alone should be enough to grant their motion but it won't be but it should be because just as as uh, Collier and Daryl have said, it makes absolutely no sense to force a juror or two or three to come out and say, yeah, they were influenced by it for a million reasons. Number one, it taints the entire jury process. Number two, they're not going to want the the fire bombs on their front porch. They're not going to want their kids kidnapped. They're not going to want to get fired from their job. They're not going to want any of that. And they shouldn't have to endure that. If the clerk of the court tampered with this jury, I don't care whether it's uh, trying to dictate the outcome or tying their shoelaces to a chair or whatever they did to make, she did to make them uncomfortable, the, the verdict needs to be thrown out, period, end of story. By the way, John has said the key to life, and I trust her, and that thick hair of hers and everything else and that youthful appearance is wine. It is wine, she says. Wine and one Botox. Wine well, and Botox. Oh. What about chocolate? Is chocolate fit in there? Oh, yeah, chocolate too. Chocolate, okay. Why? That's the mental youth. That's the mental youth. And by the way, Southerners like to say nunya, and then each and every juror is going to say nunya business. It did not affect me. It did not affect that I voted for guilty. And it's not just social media. And I wouldn't worry about kids being kidnapped, but I worry about going to the supermarket. I worry about going to get gasoline, whether it's Costco, Sam's Club, even BJ's, and you have to live in that community. We're not talking New York City. We're not talking Los Angeles, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami. We're talking a small community where everyone knows everyone, and they often admit or don't admit to knowing everyone's business, even though they do. None of your business. Uh, right back I, to I would there. argue, though, oh, social, go ahead. Media, oh, go ahead. social media is devastating to a lot of people. You know, I face a lot of attacks for speculation on something that happened recently, which was completely tr untrue and utterly fanciful. But people, these Reddit forums, these Facebook groups, and we know Becky Hill and, and Neil Gordon love their Facebook groups. <laughs> They've talked about it. You know, there are, there are means to to, you know, really come after people in ways that are just really horrific. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, going to get gas and going to the store and stuff, but even the online bullying that occurs behind faceless, nameless accounts that people can come after if you get sucked into that vortex, you know, it's, it's awful, you know, it, it really is. Collier, I don't know oh, what you're talking on. about. I've, I've been anywhere. Yeah, never. I've never gotten uh, any hate mail yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> My mother sends me hate mail every night. Rosemary Romero, <laughs> Jonna, to you, how many appeals does Murdoch get? Is there an answer to this? Is there a finality? So that is a good question because this is not an appeal per se. This is a, a, a different animal where he's making a motion for a new trial based on this newly discovered evidence of jury tampering. 
So it is another shot at the apple. If he wants to, he can appeal the actual verdict and maybe some things that happened at the trial. And then if he loses that, he might be able to appeal again. But this is different from that. So he's going to get an, a, a few opportunities to appeal the outcome of his case. Uh, Lina, I don't know. This is a, I, th these are like reading license plates. I always say is Collier, is this, is this someone from uh, your show? Because you were given a, oh, I thought it was someone that you knew, Collier. Uh, this is why our justice system, Daryl, the super sticker. Who, Lena Beautiful? What is it? She's Lena on my channel, yeah. Oh, there you go. What's up? Well, I was responding to Kaylin, who said the aggressive, uh, when I see you, I can't help but think about your mom making sure you had a perfect monogram embroidered and everything as you did, as I did for my son. I have my mother's monogram uh, tattooed on my arm. I don't know if you can see it or not. <laughs> That's good. There you go. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, this uh is why our justice system is designed the way it is so these things don't happen so aggravating that one person caused this debacle daryl cohen by the way someone asked is that the guy that's always on court tv yes it is um what could it is there anything daryl that could have prevented this certainly a certain clerk keeping her mouth shut and as jonna said <laughs> what do you want on your pizza or what do you want on your corned beef sandwich you want mayo or mustard depends on where you live uh she should have kept her mouth shut she never should have gotten near those jurors other than through her official title and doing whatever she had to do in the courtroom before they were selected as jurors where they went through the process and later that should have happened but you can't always make happen what you want to happen if it can't happen, it will, and it's normally not good. And here, it's not good. But Alex Murdoch is a soap opera. I mean, you can't write this stuff. You can't make this shit up in L.A. If you can bring back soaps and novellas, it couldn't happen, but it did. Sort of like the presidential election. Darryl yeah, Collins. I've worked in entertainment for almost two decades, and I say on my show all the time, you can't, you can't script this out. You couldn't write a better script. It's, it's insane. Truth is definitely stranger than fiction. hundred percent. And John, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, from Catherine, is this becoming now the latest lawyerly tactic to reverse guilty verdicts? Like I said, we heard something similar, different, but similar after the Charlie Adelson trial. Are more lawyers going to try to like dust things up after the fact? Well, you can't just say that kind of blanket, right? Like we don't make excuse me, we don't make shit up, right? Just file a motion. This was something that there is some solid evidence that there was some wrongdoing here. And as lawyers, maybe some people might not realize this, we have an obligation. Like if we don't do everything that we are ethically obligated to do for a client, we can get sued, we can get grieved, we get egg on our face, we get declared incompetent in certain cases. So we, it's our job to do everything humanly possible when there are facts to support what we're doing. And that's what we are seeing in this case here. They didn't make up the fact that Becky Hill tampered with this jury. They didn't pull it out of whole cloth. They have information that she actually did that and it appears to be supported. So let's not kill all the lawyers on this one because it's not their fault. They're doing what they need to do. Great. Thank you, William. Yeah. Great questions from uh, SCS Nation. I always say best guess, better community. Uh, Daryl, to you, Rosemary Romero again. What if a juror, uh, juror wrote a book about the trial? Could that be grounds for a new trial? I would think that it's better for a juror. Some jurors do write books. What say yeah. you? 
Well, writing the book, and my word is no, and it's spelled N-O, not K-N-O-W, because writing the book is after the trial. It doesn't mean that anyone was attempted to be influenced or was influenced, but writing a book, it's fine. Jurors do this oftentimes. They're interviewed oftentimes. They oftentimes don't want to be. They want to remain anonymous and in the pack. But no, if they write a book afterwards, may it sell well. And, and we've got uh, we've got some sound uh, that we're going to play in a moment. 1776 daughter to Jana. Isn't it insulting to believe that jurors are so weak minded that they can't decide for themselves or do there have to be you know, safety nets in place? Well, you would think that jurors are independent thinkers, right? They go through a, a process which can be lengthy before they get selected to be a juror, right? It's called voir dire. They've got, a, they're asked a lot of questions. They're, you know, you're, they're dwindled down from a large pool to a small pool. So you think that, that they've got it, but keep in mind, this was like the trial of, of the year. And you don't know if subliminally they're taking cues from people who they are feeling are important. You know, the judge is important. The clerk is important. The attorneys are important. And if they're, processing what they are interpreting is communication coming from them in such a way they might not even be realize that they're doing it. But I mean, it's all part of the process. You're sitting in a box day after day for six weeks. You know, sometimes you're fading off. You're looking at everything. You're surveying everything. It all comes in and it's a big job and it's a thankless job. You're getting, you know, 15 bucks a day and, a, and free lunch. It's a thankless job. You're away from your family. You're away from your job all day. It's hard. So I don't blame the jurors either if they were influenced. I blame the wrongdoer. And that is this judge's right-hand person who was his clerk of court. If this happened, and it seems well, like it did. Well said. Love the passion. For the lawyers uh, from Charles in Charge to Daryl, if you were uh, Dick Harpootlian and Jim Griffin, what would you do uh, next after yesterday's hearing? What would be your next step, Daryl? Well, I'd ask for an evidentiary hearing to continue what's going on and try to dig a little bit deeper and see what she did, if anything. And if she did something, was it prejudicial? And could the jurors have been, not were they, but could they have been moved to do what they should have done or should not have done based on what she did or didn't do? And, and let me go say something. Every time we have a hearing, I'll, I'll close the door. Every time we have a hearing, all of this, I tell my clients, it's not just about the evidence. You only have one chance to make a first impression. What your clothing is, your hairstyle, whether or not you are paying attention, whether or not the jury likes or dislikes you, your body language, all of this makes a difference. So if the clerk did something that could major be a major difference maker in the trial, though having watched the trial fairly closely and commented on Court TV and, and other outlets, Mr. Murdaugh is guilty of being a liar and guilty of what he was charged with and convicted of, in my view. Always have to say that, in my view. Daryl, by the way, there are only two outlets, The Collier Landry Show and Surviving the Survivor. Never heard of that other one. Uh, that's, uh, that's true. I, neither had I. Yeah. It was PFA, <laughs> Pick from Air. Um, Collier, to you about uh, the surviving brother, uh, Buster Murdoch. I mean, you got to have empathy for the guy. There was a time he was uh, being really closely looked at because of the death of uh, the murder of Stephen Smith. 
Uh, what do you think is happening with him right now? It's interesting. A lot of people brought up in the comments, um, you know, where is Buster? Good to see Buster not there. Honestly, I think he's over it. I think it's it's so much. I think that it's probably, if if I was to speculate, this is overwhelming for him. Obviously, he's complaining about his privacy being invaded. You know, he's got a girlfriend or a fiance, or maybe they're married. I think that he's just trying to lay low and get away from it. I think, you know, despite him, you know, watching him on that Fox Nation or that Fox, you know, docu-series they did, you know, the three-parter, I think it was Fox Nation, you know, in his exclusive interviews, you could just tell that he, you know, he made a statement of, you know, his, you know, he, that he believes his father's innocent of the murder, but he also believes that his father could be a psychopath. And I think that he believes that his father's behavior, while he might not be convinced that he took the life of his mother and his younger brother, he definitely realizes his father's a really bad guy. And I'm sure that there has been just, as I said, listening to those audio recordings of the prison calls on those documentaries and docu-series, it sounds so familiar to me. It's such a familiar narrative. And he has to be in a position where he's just torn. It's, it's the perfect example of cognitive dissonance, right? You know that something is not good for you to have contact with your father, but he's your father. I've gone through the same thing, right? You love your father. I love my father but my father is a horrific human being and he's a psychopath, right? And he's probably going through the same thing in his head and just probably needs a break from all of this because again, it's a small community down there. It's not Los Angeles. It's not New York City. You don't have as many outlets and escapes to just get away. Uh, I'm surprised he's even in in South Carolina. I'm, I would be <laughs> as far away as possible. You know, preferably where I don't speak the language, you know what I mean? And it's nice and warm because uh, I just, you know, you just got to get away from it at some point for his own, for his own mental clarity, his own sanity for his own, just he's 20, what, 26, 27 years old. You know, I remember that that was a couple of years ago. You know, you want to be, you want to build a life for yourself and you want to do it. You know, I tried to get it. I got out of my small town the first moment that I could. And moved to Los Angeles to start a whole new life. And nobody knew who I was until I made my film 15 years later, you know, seven, 17 years later. You know what I mean? So I um I understand he 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 just wants to be out of the spotlight. Like, leave me alone. And for those who are coming and joining us late, uh Kyer Landry is uh, kind of the focal point of a murder in Mansfield, a uh award-winning documentary. Uh, his own father murdered his own mother. Collier, do you have plans to visit your father anytime soon? I mean, he's getting up there in years. I think you said he's 80, right? Yes, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just recently back in Ohio and I was going to try to see him. But um, for some reason, the uh, the email system that I would use to contact him is not is not around anymore. And there's a new system because prisons do this, right? But um yeah, uh, I actually found out that he most likely will be released on parole this next year. So wow, wow, that's that's a lot. <laughs> Does that make a lot? Yeah, go ahead, Jonna. Yeah. I did, well, first of all, I just want to say I'm I didn't know anything about that before this show today, and I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I love the fact that you are moving forward in such a positive way and doing great things with your life. But I am so curious, like what, why? Why did he? Why did your father murder your mother? Like, was, were they going through a contentious? Was it a photo stoolist? Like, why? 
that's that is the crux of the question of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and why I made my film because I always I, I couldn't understand it. My father was a doctor. He was just starting to make a lot of money. He was in private practice. Um, he had a younger girlfriend who was pregnant. They were going through a divorce. My mother was losing the divorce. Uh, my father could have just walked away, but instead he wanted, and it was premeditated. Um, he set up, he purchased a house and he, um, buried her underneath the basement floor of that house the night after he murdered my mother, which I heard happen. And I'm the one who had discovered the photographs of the house and seen them. My, my father's girlfriend or mistress at the time, uh, with her two children in front of a fireplace that was wrapped in plastic. And I had told the police about this and I said, there's something, I don't know this house. And there's a, she's sitting in front of a fireplace wrapped in plastic that leads me to believe this is a new house somewhere else. And um, it was ultimately where they discovered my mother's body buried underneath the basement floor in another state. How uh, old were you? I was 11 when it happened and 12 when it went to trial. And I testified for the prosecution for two days against my father in open court, staring my father down. He was, a, he was a cute little kid, Collier Landry. I don't know what happened. I don't know what what happened on the way to adult now. I don't know either, man. That's a great question. Very handsome guy. Uh, Carol Wardropper. Daryl, will Becky potentially be charged uh, in any way criminally? Certainly she could be, but there's a higher standard of evidence. She could be charged with some law in South Carolina of tampering with a jury, tampering with evidence. I think there's a long way to go before she's charged if she's charged because the prosecutors the da's office is going to want to know they can win this they don't want to win in the court of public opinion they would want to win it in the courtroom and i think that's a long way to go to show she had criminal intent as opposed to negligence or foolishness by the way daryl we usually go about an hour and 15 minutes the fastest 75 minutes if that's even right i haven't done the math in my head too well but um it's the fastest uh, 75 minutes of your life. So, if, But if you have to go before, since you're a first-time guest, you can just tell me to buzz right off. But Ruthless from the UK, what will happen to uh, Becky Hill's son for phone tampering if found guilty? Jonna, that one for you. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think her son has been charged with anything either. We're, As Daryl said, we're kind of a long ways away from that. But if this thing completely unravels, maybe because of, of evidence that comes out in the hearing that's next week or the week after, um, you know, he could be charged too with conspiring with her to, for the jury tampering, among other things. I mean, it really is a slippery slope on so many levels. But right now it looks like the judge doesn't really want to hear everything that went on. So next week is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, by the way, the COE put up a note. There is sound here. Uh, just to give you a little family background, let's say I buy a new pair of shoes. I will keep them in the shoe box for like seven months and ne- never wear them. Uh, the COE will come home and they will be, she'll wear her shoes before she even gets out of the store and they'll be destroyed. Right. And so I like to save my sound and she's bugging me to play it. So without further ado, Let's play. This is a piece of uh, sound of Jim Griffin in court yesterday. And in that they heard, and and in that they heard, Ms. Hill, the clerk of court, prior to deliberations, and frankly before the defense put on their case, 
Ms. Hill instructed, do not be fooled by the defense. That's what the sworn statement Do not be fooled by the defense. Daryl Cohen, what's he really saying here? And what do you think of uh, Alec Murdoch in that orange jumpsuit there? He looks uh, annoyed. But what's Jim saying here in this short soundbite? Well, what he's saying is that the defense is going to lie. And they're going to try to take your verdict and make it guilty. But the question is, did that really happen? Lawyers make assertions and allegations all of the time. We craft a story, usually, hopefully, with the truth, and try to send it to the jury. We want them to lease it, buy it, or at least take it under consideration carefully. And here, we need to hear what that testimony is rather than just an allegation in a courtroom from a lawyer who obviously represents a man clad in orange. And if he was in Orange County, California, or Orange County, Florida, that would work. But here he's clad in orange because you want to make sure that he's distinguished in case he walks out the door from others who are not clad in orange. And Jonna, to you, uh, this is, you know, something I think a lot of people wonder about. Alec Murdoch's never getting out from behind bars, uh, if not for the murder, for the financial crimes. Uh, his That's his future. And he looks annoyed. Um, why is it still important that justice be served in the case of the murder specifically? It It is not important in the sense that it's going to change Alec Murdoch's future, right? Because as you said, I think he got 27 years on his financial. Like he's not, well... He's probably not going to get out no matter what happens. But you also have to remember, he was a lawyer. And uh, and I think the lawyers that are representing him realize that this is not just for the good of Alec Murdoch. If it were just for the good of Alec Murdoch, none of us would give a crap. It's for the good of our justice system. It's for the good of every accused who's ever stepped foot inside that courtroom. It's for the good of the accused who's ever stepped foot inside any courtroom in our great country, because we want to make sure that we have a a fantastic system of justice that works. And if it gets broken anywhere at any point in time, that we have a method to go back and fix it quickly and fairly for all of us, not just for Alec Murdoch, who cares about him. This is for the rest of us. That's why it's important. Preach. Who does care about him? Uh, let him rot where he is. Nancy Randall says, uh, when the verdict, Daryl Cohen here, was read out loud, they pulled each jury member and under oath they stated that was their decision. So this is a done deal, right? Is it that simple or do they have to go back and kind of, you know, rake them over the coals? Well, they need to find out, though it may have been their verdict. Was their verdict influenced by anything this clerk said, if it was, then it's not a done deal. So it becomes a definite maybe. If it wasn't, that's a whole different story. But let me guarantee you, it sounds like the old men's warehouse commercials. I guarantee it. Not one juror is going to admit that he or she was influenced by the clerk. They're just not going to do it. We've talked about this earlier. They can't do it. They live in this community, social media, personal media, personal appearances. They're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Uh, Judge Toll guitars is going to come off and play by itself before they do it. <laughs> Judge Toll also came out and uh, announced that uh, she's going to be limiting other wide-ranging accusations of wrongdoing against Becky Hill, like the misuse of public funds 
as well as plagiarizing parts of that book that Collier held up. Uh, Becky Hill herself has sworn that she never asked jurors about Murdoch's guilt and never suggested he committed the crimes. Uh, Rock, Shaper, Scissors, I love that name. Assuming this upcoming hearing leads to the claim being unfounded, Jana, would jury tampering Becky Hill accusations be able to be brought again down the road if new evidence was to come to light? Is this like a, you know, like a double jeopardy type deal? Yeah, so it would not really be a double jeopardy type deal um, because it this is a different application. Whenever new evidence, truly new evidence, not evidence that could have been discovered before, not evidence that that you knew about, but you decided to ignore. If truly new evidence crops up at any time, it typically gives rise to the ability to come back into court and make whatever argument you're compelled to make based on that new evidence. So yeah, 10 years from now, could another juror come forward and say, uh, I should have come forward to that hearing because I, I too had, uh, I was influenced. That technically wouldn't be new. But if a juror came back or somebody came back and said, yeah, uh, Becky Hill wrote a manifesto about how she was going to tamper with this jury. And look, I've got it right here and I never told anybody. Then we might have a second bite at this apple. Hmm. Uh, Robin Ray uh, from the casting director. What an amazing soul you have. There you go. Such a great uh, role model. Uh, Collier, oh, let's, thank you. Yeah, let's listen to another piece of sound. I have two more to play. And uh, this one again from Jim Griffin in court yesterday morning. Um, factually, did those contacts happen? Uh, question becomes, um, factually, did those contacts happen? Um, and, and then, you know, we proceed from there as to, to what, what the burden of proof is after that. It's clear, it's in sync, uh, it's uniform, that is the defendant's burden to show prejudice. Uh, and that's, of course, only after uh, there's a determination that any well, sort of extraneous sorry, evidence was occurred. The there. And the question the um, you can see uh, Dick Harputlian ordering dinner on his cell phone, uh, Creighton, <laughs> Creighton Waters, of course, the uh, prosecutor for the state. Jonna, what just happened in this exchange? And uh, Jack Swirling, he's been on the show. He's that guy in the back, all the way to the right, front row, right behind that police officer. Great guy. From uh, He's a Brooklynite in South Carolina. But anyway, Jonna, what was uh, Jim saying and what was Creighton's response there? Well, they're arguing about the exact burden of proof for this particular hearing. And the defense, in my opinion, rightfully so, is saying, look, we don't have to show that there was prejudice. We just have to show that the tampering happened. And the prosecution, of course, is saying, no, no, no. You have to not only show that there was tampering, but you have to show that that, that tampering influenced the jury. And as we've discussed throughout this show, they're going to be hard pressed to get any juror to admit that it influenced him or her. And that should not be this for that reason. Perhaps it should not be the standard. The standard should be. If it happened, let, let, let me give you, this is a probably a bad analogy, but if somebody walks up to your house with a book of matches and lights them and then and throws them on your, your welcome mat, but nothing happens, right? Can you still charge that person? I mean, the fact that they put, took, a, took an incendiary device and put it on your property, probably with the hope that your house was going to burn down, but your house does not burn down. Do you give that person a pass? You do not. 
You simply say that person attempted to burn down your house instead of actually burn down your house. So if, if Becky Hill tried to influence this jury and they, they're not going to admit that they were influenced, but the acts happened, why would she get a pass, which would then in turn not permit Alec Murdoch to get a new trial? If she did it, it's done. Let's give him a new trial as much as that's going to waste resources and as much as it probably will not result in any change of verdict, it's his right if the clerk of the court did what she's alleged to have done. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, and her son was arrested, by the way, and charged with one count of wiretapping. Yeah. I was just okay. going to say, Annette, and, Annette, yeah, mentions that to someone. And there's destroyed I, I, cell phones and there's all this stuff. It, it's what makes it interesting. And then, it's also like, you know, not to, and, and again, not a lawyer, but to me, if you open the doors for this kind of conduct, what's to stop anyone from doing this? And the sort of solipsistic nature in which she approached all of this, and even something as simple as releasing that photograph of Alec Murdoch on that Facebook group that Neil Gordon admitted on Vinnie Politan's show that he had posted on the Facebook page, of Alec Murdoch laying in his cell before the verdicts came in, reading a book, and they said, oh, that was taken on a ViewSonic monitor outside the courtroom, when you can clearly see in the photograph pictures in, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a credenza, <laughs> photographs in frames in Becky Hill's office. It's, it's, it's like some of the lies that come out of these people's mouths are, it's, it's, it's insane to me that people think that they can get away with this. And by the way, Joel, since you asked, and this is what I was looking for, but I thought I was being bored. Uh, this is what happened. Yes. What happened with this kid between now? <laughs> Look at that sweater. Then and now, what happened? <laughs> hey, you're a handsome guy. Collier's also a big dude. He's a gym rat, this guy. Solipsistic. <laughs> Use the word solipsistic. Yeah. Focused on their own wants and needs that they don't think about other people at all. A new SAT words. I'm going to make my four-year-old learn that word when I get home. True story. Bro, that was a big part of my channel. Everybody's yep. like, hey, you should do a word of the day. I'm like, you better believe it. Let me tell you something. May my Hold father on. rest in peace. I'm still shocked that my father is no longer with us. He was a psychiatrist for a living. Uh, when I was growing up in seventh and eighth grade, I would have friends over every weekend. And my dad used to make me sit and read with him. And we would read Herman Melville and Nathaniel Hawthorne and all these books, half hour, every Saturday, every Sunday, underline all the words. Um, the biggest word I know is like six, maybe five letters, Collier. I don't, I had to look up solipsistic, but it did help me later in life. So uh, time for me to start reading with my kid. Although all my kids do now is, can I have your cell phone? Can I have your cell phone? Can I have your cell phone? Um, to you, Daryl Cohen from La Mesa Filipino Food Club, do we think this will discourage future potential jurors even more than most of us already about the entire process? You know, at $7 a day, how can you resist jury duty? But is this going to make it even more difficult, Daryl? Well, it's certainly it's optics and jurors, potential jurors are going to get a subpoena and you have to show up. Because if not, the sheriff comes out and says, hi, how are you? And by the way, I'm, I'm remembering uh, Yogi Berra. It ain't over till it's over. So using a Yogiism, it's never over till it's over. I think jurors are going to be more likely, those who watch what's going on, those who listen to what's going on, I think they'll be more likely to be less susceptible 
but more aware of what could be happening in a courtroom or just outside of the courtroom. Because during the courtroom, it's a game. And whether we like it or not, it's a game. We've got the prosecution, we've got the defense, and everybody's posturing and everybody's wearing their proper clothing, hopefully, or not. Everybody's looking the way they think they should look if they have been coached properly. But jurors don't want this sort of thing to happen. Jana hit it on the button. She hit it on the head. It's scary to me because you it's enough that jurors who really don't want to be there, whether it's $7 a day or $15 a day, what type of hamburger from McDonald's or Wendy's or Arby's that they may get now that Arby sells hamburgers, uh, it's scary. And we have to protect the system. And John is right. If there's something wrong, we need to fix it and we need to fix it quickly. But we have to also admit it. We can't just close our eyes and fix it. We have to open our eyes, open our mouth, and fix it as best we can, as quickly as we can. Because as Jonna also said, you know, forget Alex Murdoch. This is not about him. This is about the system, about people who work inside the system and the people who observe outside of the system. These are all things that are so necessary that all of us need to pay attention to. Not just the lawyers, not just the judges, not just the witnesses, but everybody. Well put. Collier, the egg lady juror. Can you tell the audience about her? Well, I again, you know, I came into the trial very late or into the well, whole Murdoch thing, like almost like when the verdict was read. And, well, she, she was dismissed, but, but she was, and, no, she was dismissed like the day before something having to do with a Facebook post, but they, you know, they wanted to be able to, bring her in to this upcoming hearing to give her statement. Right. And, you know, they were, you know, going to give it as proffer again. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, but as proffer and the judge shut that down and shut down her statement being putting in saying she only wanted to see juror or hear from jurors that were actually who participated in the verdict, which I thought was interesting. But uh, yeah, this egg lady has created quite a stir. I think she's juror number 630 is uh what her her um number is in their and all of their paperwork that they in the briefs that they filed on the 12th or 10th and then refile on the 12th but uh yeah they're not going to hear from her and and i think that she because there was something to do with a facebook post that again you know and it's interesting to see this is something that fascinates me is it's interesting to see how social media and the phone and all of these things have played into this particular trial and how, how this moving forward, even and as sitting here with two, uh, two lawyers who actually know about the law, how does this, how does this type of thing play out in the future? Because to me, when I look at, at Becky Hill and writing this, you know, utter literary masterpiece. Um, I think to myself, you know, they rushed to get this thing out because she wanted to be the first to the party uh, to put a book out about Murdoch, which I thought was just idiotic in and of itself because she only her, she was the only person that read that verdict for the world to see. She had first as the Colleton County clerk of court, she had firsthand experience. It would be like me trying to race somebody else who's putting a book out about my father's murder trial. You can't tell my perspective. Only I can. She could have sat on this for two years and written a really great literary book, a literary masterpiece and put it out. And none of this would be happening. Right. But it seems like 
the way that she has she manipulated social media to get this egg lady removed from the juror, juror jury and how all of that has played in i would like to know from our two other guests here how does social media and how do things like the phone and how do things when we set a precedent that a clerk of court can behave like this how does that play into cases moving forward across this country jana wow so that's that's a big question and i think social media has really it's a blessing and a curse when it comes to representing client and bringing a case to trial because you know back in the day when our forefathers you know drafted the constitution they never ever contemplated this type of technology that would allow information to be where we don't want it to be sometimes they never contemplated information could get from point a to point b at the with the click of a thumb as opposed to riding on horseback to the next town and taking four days to get there like we're in a different time and it's a blessing and a curse because now we can check on people people who aren't supposed to be saying or doing certain things when they're stupid enough to put it on social media now the whole world has an eye on that and and it can help us determine if people are acting right or wrong but at the same time it's there and you can jurors for example can sneak on social media and share information during the course of a trial when they're not supposed to be doing it and sometimes that goes undetected and you have to believe that whenever you walk out of a courtroom and you tell a jury don't watch the news don't take any accounts don't talk to your friends don't talk to your family when you leave here and go to dinner don't talk to your husband about the case you know damn well they're listening to the news they're talking to their husband about that they're doing all of those things and you gotta hope that what you do as a lawyer will prevent that extraneous stuff from tainting your job and the rights of the person you're representing whether you're representing them in a traffic ticket or uh you know a, a murder trial you got to hope that you can contain that ethically and lawfully and it's a big big job and can i just say that part probably the biggest part of what we need to ascertain about becky hill is her credibility and her credibility is affected by the egg lady the egg lady should be allowed to testify for that reason because what she's got to say is going to let us know if becky hill is credible or not every witness that takes a stand their credibility is always an issue Every single witness, cop, yeah. not a cop, defendant. We need to know this about Becky Hill. So if social media can help us determine that, if the egg lady can help us determine that, if the person who pumps the gas and the piggly wiggly can help us determine that, that shit should come in. But <laughs> Judge Toll isn't buying it, and I think she's wrong. And the that's why they say wiggly. Jonna is outspoken. Pig, piggly wiggly, man, I love the piggly wiggly. Uh, <laughs> Rock Shaper Scissors, that day has arrived. Uh, you are a friend of the show. Uh, I get in a habit of saying that with, I don't know, certain people and not other people for whatever reason, but Rock Schaefer Scissors, you are certainly a friend of the show. A quote from Judge Toll, and I quote here, no one, not myself or anyone else, is going to be asking a juror about the specifics of their deliberation, uh, keeping that out of bounds. Uh, here's Eric Bland, obviously uh, represented some of the victims' families, very outspoken and sort of anti defense team in this case. Let's see what he has to say. Verdict of their conscience. Remember, they heard over 70 witnesses testify and over received 400 pieces of evidence, and they rendered their decision. And I think what you're going to hear is 
they were not impacted by anything that they may have heard or uh, anything like that Ms. Becky may have allegedly I'll... said. I don't know if I love the framing of they the shot. They rendered a verdict of their conscience. Head, Remember but, uh, Daryl Cohen, oh, by not the way. Not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, no, not a fan. Doesn't of the need shot. a haircut. Doesn't need a haircut. Yeah. Uh, but what about the uh, the content of what he's saying here with over seventy witnesses, et cetera, et cetera? What do you make of uh, Eric's statement? Well, I think what he says is correct. Seventy witnesses, the overwhelming burden of evidence to the exclusion and to, to of every reasonable doubt. Yes. But having said that, if Becky and I don't know her, but if Becky impacted them at all if she tried to tamper with it we're talking really two separate issues if each and every juror says no it did not affect me whatever she may have done then that's one issue the other issue is did she attempt to tamper with did she attempt to change their mind regarding a verdict or try to make them do a verdict in some way that they may not otherwise have done that's different issues so is it going to change anything? I don't know. Hopefully there'll be enough social media, enough media where the American public will pay attention to Alec Murdoch, Alec Murlier, Alec Murderer, <laughs> and pay enough attention to say, this is not appropriate in my city, in my county. We're not going to do this in my jurisdiction. If I'm on a jury, if anyone does something or tries to do this, I'm going to let the judge know immediately asap matinal uh another uh, little side story here my boxer ethel two years old i got home yesterday coe hands me an empty bottle of children's mucinex because my daughter my real daughter has a fever ethel decided to uh chew the mucinex bottle we are not sure how much she consumed so a hundred dollars later within 30 seconds after i called the poison control number which i did not know existed Ethel uh, is fine. Xylitol will kill a dog. There was no xylitol. She was looking at me like I was nuts for dropping a hundred bucks on that. Um, I have a tweet here, Jana, which I honestly don't fully understand because I'm just not that smart. But it is from Sarah Azari, who hosts a podcast with Jim Griffin and who is a criminal defense attorney. And she Thank you to Rock Schaefer Scissors, a real friend of the show, for gifting 10 memberships now. From Sarah Azari, Jana. Mm -hmm. Inadmissibility of critical witnesses, some of whom may be needed to impeach admissible testimony and adoption of a standard, albeit wrong, that requires a showing of actual prejudice impact on the verdict could not be a bigger hindrance to undoing the injustice in the Alec Murdoch case. Today's rulings, meaning yesterday's, make mm -hmm. a more robust record for a future habeas and the state appellate case, but they sure don't give me warm and fuzzy feelings for the outcome of the January 29th evidentiary hearing. What is she saying? She, uh, she's First, she's 100% accurate, and what she's what she's saying is the judge in this case has created a standard that is unattainable and also unnecessary and that when and if the defense loses because that standard that the judge has created is unnecessary and unattainable they'll file another appeal called a habeas corpus motion to try to take another bite at this same apple basically to undermine what this judge 
has ruled. Here's my hope for her because she's 100% right and I'm with her. Here's my hope. My hope is that when the testimony is unfolding, maybe this judge will loosen her grip on this case and allow impeachment evidence to come in. I mean, that's what this really is. Like I said before, this is a credibility case. Are the jurors going to tell us what, are they going to be truthful about the things that Becky Hill said? Is, is Becky Hill just a big fat liar who shouldn't be believed at any turn? I mean, that's what this case is going to turn on. And maybe as these jurors come in and the testimony unfolds, the judge might say, I need to loosen my grip. It could happen. If I were a betting woman, I'd say it won't, but it could happen. And Daryl, finally, and then we'll get closing thoughts. Uh, these hearings are set to take place January 29th in an open court. Number one, should it be in an open court? And what, what are we what are we to expect that day? I think we're to expect a Trump-like atmosphere. I think whatever happens is not going to be surprising. So expect the unexpected. We're looking at fireworks. We're looking at firing hard at Becky. So what did you do? Why did you do it? And we're looking at a judge who likely is going to not grant this. And quite frankly, it almost doesn't matter because 27 years doesn't make any difference if he is acquitted, if he is given a new trial, there's a mistrial, he's reconvicted. He's going to spend the rest of his life where he doesn't want to be, I would assume. But he'll be inside rather than outside. He'll get to wear orange. Yeah. And John, if for some reason he got a new trial, someone was just asking, could they pursue the death penalty if there was a new trial? Oh, because they took that off the table the first time around. Could they? Yeah. Would they? No. You know what I would expect to happen? I don't think I don't think Alec Murdoch wants to go through another full-blown trial. Uh, I could be wrong there. I think they might want to offer him some sort of plea deal. I don't know if he would take one at this point, like if he's resigned himself to the fact that, yeah, I did kill my wife and son, and now I've had some time to think about it. I just don't want to, I, I just had to do this because it was wrong for the clerk to influence my jury. I don't know. There, a million different things could happen, but one of them could be another full-blown trial, and one of the end maybe he gets a hung jury maybe he gets an equipment wouldn't that be something you want to talk about making a movie oh my god that would be crazy but anything can happen so i don't want to predict just i now. didn't i didn't think of those anything could happen but that is kind of crazy black widow the woman who scares me almost as much as my wife and mother uh she, telling us she fell asleep she comes to us from the republic of ireland Black Widow, I would actually love to know your schedule in the course of a day, because the COE and I have discussed this. It seems like you never sleep because it's late there. So um, let us know if you ever sleep. On that note, uh, Kyer Landry, he is the living embodiment of human resilience, hope, personal triumph over adversity. You just heard all about it. His own father convicted of murdering his own mother. Uh, he is the host of the Collier Landry Show and the Survivor Squad, a friend of mine. Collier, your final thoughts on this. I guess one of the questions I had before you get to that, and then you can give us your final thoughts. Let's just, you know, for the sake of hypotheticals, you know your dad killed your mom. You're aware, well aware of it. He goes to trial. He's convicted. But you find out the jury, you know, was screwing around. Would you want your father to have this new trial? Oh, wow. As I said, you know, 
and I'm not going to get into a whole story, but I remember discussing the death penalty when I was a, a freshman in high school with my um, professor or teacher at the time. And I said, you know, that's the law, right? So I've got to accept that. Again, as I said at the very beginning of the show, the system has to work for the worst of us so it can work for the best of us. So yes, he 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 should get a new trial. If this is the case, if what they're alleging took place, then yeah, Alec Murdoch should get a new trial. Doesn't mean I like Alec Murdoch. Doesn't mean that I like my father. And if, but if there is something, if there is a procedural, like that's what this, that's what separates the United States from the rest of the world. We have a, a system that is very flawed and we all know this, but it is still the best in the world. And if we don't do the, and not to get up on a soapbox, but if we do not uphold those virtues and those things that we stand for in this country, like democracy, like justice for all, like racial equality, you know, what are we? Like, what country are we living in? Freedom, democracy, right to a fair and speedy trial right to illegal to to illegal search and seizures things like that right and you know uh freedom of speech these are things that hold uh, that make our republic so strong and the fact that that if this happens that yes you have to take the good with the bad the system has to work for the worst of us so it can work for the best of us so yeah he gets he, you know my father if this was proven new trial absolutely horrific but new trial Collier came in uh, right behind Trump at the Iowa caucuses. If you did not hear that, was, <laughs> you sounded like a uh, American patriot, and I love it. Um, how did Egg Lady get her name when she was dismissed by Judge Clifton Newman? He asked if uh, she, had any, eggs. She, she, she asked if she could get her eggs back from the, the refrigerator. He, he basically asked if you have a question, and she said, "Can I get my dozen eggs out of the fridge?" She had her <laughs> eggs in the fridge. Hence, she is now forever known as Egg Lady. Daryl Cohen is forever known as an entertainment and criminal defense attorney, a partner of Cohen, Cooper, Estep, and Whiteman LLC. The guy has done it all. Former assistant state attorney, former actor. The guy worked with Archie Bunker, Carol O'Connor. Your final thoughts on all of this, Daryl? What's good for the media, and this is really good for the media, is not necessarily good for justice. And I always believe that less is more. I'll leave it at that. Wow. Deep and well said. Daryl, I'm going to find your Wrigley's gum commercial. Please do and share it. We'll post it on YouTube. <laughs> 3.4 seconds on camera, walking. No voice, no voice on camera. I love it. Nice. 18 grand. I love it. Piggly Wiggly is a supermarket, Jacqueline, uh, in the South primarily. I don't know if they've moved elsewhere. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia shoulder surgeon. I don't know why those are the three hardest words for me to say in a row. Uh, I hope there never comes a day when I am referred to as the egg lady. I hope the same thing for you, PSS. Jonas Billboard, an absolute spitfire of a human being. She says herself she's an outspoken attorney in some odd, weird way. Oh, not really odd. She reminds me of both my wife and my mother, who are also very outspoken. Um, she is on the Fox News Channel. She's on the Fox Business Network. She's on the radio. She does it all. She's now going to be on Surviving the Survivor more than she wants to be. Jonna with The Secret to Life, Botox, Wine, and Chocolate. Uh, your yep. final thoughts. Your final thoughts here. I really hope that Dick Harpootlian and Jim Griffin go at this motion and go at it hard. Uh, take no prisoners. They probably will lose, but 
our system deserves it way more than Alec Murdoch, but this is about the rest of us, and I hope they give it their best shot. Very quick reminder tomorrow, this is a big interview for STS. We followed uh, the Charlie Adelson case uh, in its entirety, and Donna Adelson, the matriarch of that family, uh, of course, Dan Markell was the FSU law professor, murdered in a murder-for-hire plot. Charlie Adelson was just convicted. He was the first family member. Now the matriarch, Don Adelson, is next in line. And this guy right here, Daniel Rashbaum, he uh, re is representing both. He represented Charlie and is uh, representing Donna currently. And he's going to sit down with STS tomorrow. That is 5 p.m. Eastern time. And after that, uh, we will do a post game analysis, if you will. Huge shout out. This is why we have the best guests in all of true crime. Daryl Cohen, John Spilber, Collier Landry, best guests, better community. Love you, America. Love you, New York. Love you, LA. Love you, Atlanta. Love you, the Republic of Ireland. Till tomorrow. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.